0: Episode 40 of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host, Hope Johnson. Thank you again for tuning in, subscribing without you via Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brow Radio, we wouldn't be able to continue on with the show in the way we do. So it's nice to have members aboard. Also, thank our sponsor, Farrell by Aaron at etsy.com working together with, well, our next guest, Marcia K. Moore. In fact, I have some news about Marcia before I introduce her. But she's going to be our guest today, and she has worked along with our sponsor, Feral by Aaron, Etsy.com, rate, review, and shop at Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. All right, as I said, Marcia K. Moore, artist, I would call her a forensic, stylized artist working with elongated skulls, and that's our conversation. So, thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back with Marcia K. Moore. Marcia K. Moore is an artist, but not just any kind of artist. What she does with forensic quality care, working with polymer clay on top of models or sculptures of skulls is something hyper-realistic and, oh by the way, these are elongated skulls, the kind that you see from Peru, and not the cradle-boarded ones, the real deal. So we're going to talk about the real deal, these elongated skulls from Peru. But now finding out that these skulls have been found many, many other places across almost all continents. Who were these people and where did they go? What's interesting about the skulls is that they've been DNA tested and there's some interesting anomalies. There's interesting anomalies all over these skulls. And Marcia just can't put the issue down, thank God. Now working hand-in-hand with elders uh, up in her area, the Lummi tribe, Uh, she's finding out more and more details regarding these elongated skulls, and well, let's just uh, meet Marcia on her own terms. From northern Washington, Marcia K. Moore. All right, we're here with Marcia K. Moore in her loft studio in Bellingham, Washington, I came up here today to not only, I guess, pick up a delivery, uh, Marcia's worked on some of the drums by Farrell by Aaron, but also to talk to her about her latest project that she's working on. And it's quite a lengthy, storied project. And so if you don't know Marcia, well, you're going to meet her now. Thanks for providing some time to do this.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for coming up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what people know about you might be limited to what I've said as far as the podcast is concerned and the interview that I did real briefly with you before. But um, there's a lot more detail that I wanted to get. So um, people need to know I'm sitting right now in her loft studio and I'm looking at these amazing forensic styled, uh, what would you call them? They're forensic artwork of these elongated skulls but it's not just limited to this at all it's a real appreciation for is it Mesoamerica for Native American culture for everything reaching back that uh, is available and hidden all at once
1: well it um should I go back can I just go back in time and tell you how this kind of unfolded please do um I was, I'm from the Midwest. I grew up uh, in Iowa and um, kind of shifted to different parts of this country. Um, So I've lived in every different cultural area, I think, um, in this country. So at one point I was in Florida and uh, spent a lot of time in Florida actually. And I discovered when I stripped away the people and the architecture, there was a phenomenal amount of ancient history in that area. And the more I dove into it, it became kind of like the, the Tantooine, like the Star Wars Tantooine. It was just like this trading center that had all of these connections to the entire planet. And so I started this story, kind of hopeful animation, about ancient Florida, kind of pre-Spanish times. And there's a lot of, uh, which included the Calusa Indians. They're the shell people that were down in that area about 2,000, 3,000 years ago. And... With that story that I was creating, I had my studio, just like it is as you see it, with a different, uh, it had different things in it at that time. But what I was doing was, I was kind of becoming my own entertainment studio, where I was creating the story, creating the characters, um, creating everything that it takes to uh, create an animation. So I learned uh, 3D sculpture software in order to create characters to get them to the point where I could get them to start, you know, walking and talking and all that kind of stuff. I was doing everything that you would do to create your own animation or movie on my own. And as I was creating some of the characters, as this story was coming through me, because that's really how it comes, it just kind of comes out of the ethers when you're an artist and you're this conduit that just it just flows literally through you. And it was just nonstop, all this information I was getting. And some of the characters that I were, was creating had um, elongated heads as I was creating them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remembered growing up in Iowa when I would sketch as a little girl, all of the, <laughs> all of the characters or people or whoever I, I sketched had these long craniums. And I thought, I thought it was just kind of an interesting look. I, I, um, it, it seemed fitting, I guess, uh, to draw and sketch like that with these physical entities, and, um, so with all these characters that I was developing, um, also I was on Facebook at the time, and I was using social media to kind of market myself, as I do now, and I met up with, uh, Brian Forster, who, uh, specifically, works with um he's an alternative researcher down in peru and his topics are specifically the elongated heads and then also our megalithic structures and i noticed with his postings all of these skulls that had were long heads i mean they were elongated skulls and at that time i had created this piece that's just right over here that you know our audience isn't going to be able to see it but this is kind of iconic in that i created this woman with a long head Um, prior to knowing anything about elongated skulls.
0: It just came through me. And what's this titled? Do you have a title on all I don't really have a title for this one, but she's
1: kind of the icon. I mean, you see it on my website initially. You see it on, you know, Mm -hmm. the way I present myself. You see this particular image all the time. So I've kind of carried her as the
0: icon for...
1: uh, The process that's unfolding and is this
0: this like a is this like a five by four and a half this is
1: like a five by six
0: five by six
1: and i have 13 canvases that are going to be um shown like this where i have a display of the 3d sculpture Mm -hmm. and then also the image portrayed as you would have seen it maybe in time
0: right and um, we're, it's like a so if people can picture this here it's hard to appreciate it unless you see her stuff up close but it's larger than life I mean it's probably you know several times larger than the actual size of a, of a human skull just in general but it's a, it's a, a huge magnificent piece and so when you do a large piece like this Marcia is it not only to grab people's attention but to say this is important this is this is hidden. This is something I want to acknowledge.
1: Well, as an artist, you do like to, you like to work big. You know, you, mm-hmm. I, I've gotten to the point where I like those monumental sizes because right. it does get seen. So imagine thirteen canvases, six foot by seven foot, or five by six, right, in an installation setting where people do come in and do see the process, mm-hmm. and they can't help but see what's going on with this and the, and they take in that information and they're just like my gosh maybe they don't understand it mm-hmm. but even subconsciously it starts them to start thinking about possibilities yeah so as you see this one and yeah, i don't know if anyone is or familiar with are you familiar with edward curtis's work well you spoke about yeah, him I've he's the
0: one that photographed the Native Americans. He or? actually
1: ended up in Seattle and was very prominent photographer in Seattle. Mm, okay. In fact, he has a studio, and all of his history is Seattle ba- based. So, um, but if your audience looks them, looks him up, um, yes, he went around in the late 1800s and early 1900s um, to every different cultural area with our indigenous. Indigenous peoples in right. North America, most of the country anyway, and photograph them because he felt like that was, you know, th- it was the opportunity of a dying, of right. a dying race. Right. Um, and he has uh, all those old sepia tone, old photogravures that you see out there, though. that's his work. And he really, he hit a lot of cultural areas, too. I mean, he mm. has some phenomenal Is
0: he revered work. by the Native Americans?
1: You know, I would say that's probably, there's a percentage, maybe not, but there's uh-huh. a huge, su- huge percentage now because of colonization and all of what was lost. Right. Through his photographs, um, it brings back a lot of what was, um, like, oh, that's how we wore our hair, or mm-hmm. that's our regalia, or it brings back a lot of informa- lost information. So I think that, for the most part, um, I mean, I can't speak for people, but I think that it's been a good thing. I'm really, I, I hope it has been a good thing, because I think his intentions were really, um, he really wanted to help Um and his photo essay history mm. is just phenomenal. So anyway, so with this big piece, what I'm doing is I'm kind of emulating his photography. Right. And so what this is doing is, in and all of this is gridded out. Nobody can see this, so it's going to be, they're probably going, what the heck? But anyway, as you can see it, Toby, it's all in a grid fashion. So it's like lost history unfolding as it's presented on this canvas and um there we go now I feel and, like I'm and then seeing room. some somebody with an elongated head when you put the hair on the clothes it's like you're not you don't really even know you're just like unless i took her hair off then you can realize that she has a misshapen uh, cranium but other than that you're looking at this going wow this is a piece of time this is a piece of history and um even subconsciously knowing that it has takes on a historical look it kind of makes you stop in and perceive it in that way does that make sense it's well
0: yeah i mean what's shocking too is that it it really it has that feel of north american native americans and i don't know if that's the specific look you're going for but when we think of these elongated skulls we don't think of north america yeah absolutely so talk about why and how you did that
1: um, well, I'm going to quickly just go back and end this Brian Forster connection okay, because we'll what that. happened was I presented this piece that we're looking at um, as a elongated that finally has a face put to a skull. And um, I asked him if he'd like to present that to his people that are following him, and he was just um, really excited because no one had ever really reconstructed these elongated heads and right or wrong the way that I did it um, it helped people visually put a face to these skulls so it just went all over the planet I mean people just really uh, really appreciated that information and then of course wanted more and then of course I wanted to dive into it more so I from my story that I was working on kind of took a side trail and started to with photographs because I hadn't had any uh, up close um skulls around me or anything but right. brian would send me photo images of all the skulls you know in different angles and then i would take them into my 3d software and start just structuring it through the photos th- the reference that he sent me so i created probably close to 20 3d sculpture representations of the elongated heads um and then as time passed i thought you know what It's one thing to do this uh, digitally, but it's probably another feeling to do this forensically. So that's when I was able to get some resin copies. And then these other ones that you see in this studio are the ones that have been done more as a traditional forensic style, using the muscle markers, um, using glass eyes, and using a polymer clay to form the face um and as an artist again it is amazing how these uh, skulls bring themselves back to life Mm -hmm. they really do i mean you can go you can have an anthropology report to give you the information but ultimately to put the face on here and you can use the muscle markers and the you know all of what what happens to build up a face but ultimately um it seems like the face builds up itself and I can say that because I'm not a forens- licensed forensic artist. I probably wouldn't be able to say that if I was a, a licensed artist. But I'm an artist that's, do- I know enough about anatomy and. and um,
0: so this is all self-trained.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you studied under nobody.
1: No, not for this.
0: No. Are people surprised by that?
1: Um, I don't know if they know the full details behind that. <laughs> I don't know if they know that information really. I mean, I I give that information. Right,
0: you don't hide it.
2: No, I'm always right. telling
1: people that I'm an artist. Right. That is doing this because I'm following my trail. This is information that I want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm taking it upon myself to um, understand more about the lost history here in North America and you know internationally. So it's it's my trail.
0: And you haven't had any law enforcement approach you about how beautiful this work is to say who taught you, what schools you go to? No. for f- No? No. Okay. I'm shocked. No.
1: In fact, um, I can – maybe not this country, but I was just given the honor down in um, Venezuela. Oh. Um, I was given kind of the honor of being uh, a part of their anthropology department. They gave me an honor. Oh, really? Be, yeah. Oh,
0: that's – I mean, that's really cool, isn't it? I mean,
1: I don't even... I'm not even... um, And it doesn't matter. This is something that is coming through. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. obviously work that I'm supposed to be doing. So if nobody else is doing this,
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: then, of course international, yeah, Yeah. international people come to me all the time.
0: You know what's so refreshing, too, and I'm just so glad to be hanging out with you here, Indian style in your loft, (laughs) is that you're so easygoing, but yet you're so special and and unique in in your process here, and you could easily be, you know, pretentiously laying out this, this is the way it is, and this is why I did it, and this is the process. It's not like that at all when I hang out with you, and it makes it's disarming to people to have questions about these things because it's so alien.
1: Well, I I feel pretty much like Frodo on this <laughs> trail. You know, okay. it's kind of like, okay, why me? But at the same time, when I look at my chapters of life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I I see what tools and skills and even knowledge that I've brought to this moment, just being here with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is obvious. This is what... If you can, if you can as a human, become that authentic self right. where you follow your passions right. regardless of uh, any outside force, you just keep following that trail, it unfolds magically before your eyes. And you know what? It, is, it always protects you and you're always taken care of. I mean, life is life. I have my moments, too. Mm -hmm. where I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this or that other thing? But um, it works. It always works. So I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And and I also tell people this is my trail. Mm -hmm. If you can learn from it and if you can um, kind of open your mind to possibilities and start doing your own research, then that's what it's all about. That's what it's for
0: little closer with the mic. There, oh, sorry there. About You're that. good. Okay, so let's give the audience some knowledge here about what the hell we're talking about because we're so in, I mean, you're so in the know. I'm lightly in the know about what we suspect about these elongated skulls, the Paracas skulls. They have very unique properties to them. I only know probably 10% of what these unique properties are, but um, you are in, you know, insanely interested in these. Here, people need to know why. I mean, not only s- since the fact that you were grounded and this is a little kid drawing these things up, but you still are. So, what is it about these skulls that makes them unique from cradle boarding? And then, let's just go down the rabbit hole from there.
1: Well, if we were to go to Peru, and you know, I get all my information from those researchers that are really getting the hard facts. Right. But for me, I'm following my intuition. I'm following the trail that is using the brain th- from the abdomen. It's the intuition. And I'm also guided by oral tradition. Okay. I believe that our indigenous communities have store. There's the <laughs> reason why these stories... And legends exist about little people or giant people or um, our forest people or anything else for that matter. Go to the source. Our mainstream researchers, maybe more now, but in the past, have not utilized that information because it's not written down. Right. Um, So... Let's go to Peru, and when we go to Peru, and Brian is, uh, Brian Forrester is out there in the field. You will, uh, b- the Paracas area is a desert area. I mean, and so these, uh, these skulls of the ancient Paracas, um, who lived on the coastline of Peru about three thousand years ago, um, all of these skeletal remains are starting to unearth themselves and then also you have unfortunately grave diggers that are going in there and actually uh, removing the heads I mean there's a huge black market with these skulls as far as people wanting to obtain them to have them for collections and such Um, but they're everywhere in the desert let's just put it that way and what Brian has found out um, is that it seems like four percent of them right. have the are anomalies to where maybe they don't have that sagittal front and back um, line in the skull. That's the number one thing to look for. Now, is
0: that the suture? Is yeah, that the suture, the sagittal suture yes, line. Exactly. The growth is that would be the growth plate that goes down all human skulls, yeah, north okay. and south. Yeah, got gotcha. okay. Absolutely. So like a vertical line. From the skull down between the eyes or right above the eyes? is gone completely. Is gone. It's okay. gone
2: completely.
1: In fact, when you look at that s- skull over here, you'll notice there's, there's nothing. R- nothing? Yeah. Um, the paracas skull is a little bit more uh, vaulted than your uh, skulls that are head bound. You've got more of a vaulted look, the skull itself. Okay. Um, the anomalies, again, when I'm looking at these skulls and, and <laughs> I have, I was actually, um, a, a, worked in a dental laboratory and reconstructed the mouth. You know, I've, I've done jewelry for the mouth, so to speak, created okay. teeth, um, bridge, but crown and bridge and all that kind of stuff. So okay. I know mouth, I know teeth. Okay. Um, and when you look at the teeth, um, you'll have what appears to be a young looking skull you know maybe it's a person that you feel is maybe 5 or 6 years old but yet they have teeth that's like an adult. So nothing makes sense on these skulls. Um, the jawline looks like it should be male but the teeth look like they're female. There's no brow ridge which makes it a female but then all of a sudden you've got a jawline that looks it looks male. It's just con- it's just totally wackadoodle with all of the uh, anomalies that go on with these skulls. So honestly, <laughs> I'm reconstructing these skulls in a way that people can relate initially to them. I'm like taking it a step at a time if that makes sense. Yeah, so but I'm, I mean you're
0: blowing my mind right now with a couple of things as far as I never noticed that there is a lack of a brow line on many of these skulls, at least the ones I'm looking at right now. It's not pronounced.
1: Yeah. Um on this one over here, mm-hmm. which is uh, from the same area, but has a brow ridge. This is a head binder. So this is somebody that reshaped their skull. Um, and so you see the brow ridge. But on the ones that are paracas, you're like, well, wait a minute. There's no brow ridge. There's The jawline is so robust. And the teeth look like... Uh, you know, maybe they're male sometimes, maybe they're feet. I mean, it just constantly blows my mind. So I don't, even when I look at an anthropology report, I don't even believe it, because I'm like, I don't think so. I've been in dental. That looks like female mouth to me. Right. This looks like a, a, a male jaw. This looks like a female uh, brow ridge. And then there's no suture lines on top here. And then you have two little, and I, I guess you can't see it, but in the back there's two little... Um, they're, they, the form, they're little like, nerves. that, Yeah. yeah. And, and like, you don't see that on a
0: human skull either. And Would and, that be like the atlas area, like the, where the C-spine would punch into the head? Possibly. Okay.
1: Absolutely. So anyway, they're anomalies. There's 4% that are just mm-hmm. so strange that you're like, come on, this is not human. It's just not. Or if it is, it's definitely a subspecies of human for sure.
0: Okay, so these unique qualities that are present on each and one of these skulls goes goes much deeper because these skulls have been tested as recent as 24 months ago. Yeah. So what what's the data off of this here? Because I know Brian released some of this data, but uh, maybe you can word it for... Well,
1: I can give you some information. I yeah. don't... Um You know, these guys that are in it full-time really can just give you the wording that I can't give you. But I can generalize here a little bit in that um, the skulls that have been uh, DNA tested. And again, I have to tell you that a lot of our laboratories that are um, testing these skulls will not tell you. (laughs) They don't want to have anybody know (laughs) that they're doing the testing on these they, uh, especially here in this country, I think in Canada, they've done some testing and they don't care. You know, they're like, yeah, we did the testing, but our laboratories here in this country, well, they don't want to, they don't want to be recognized as the ones that did the testing.
0: But this isn't encrypted. I mean, we'd have the skulls. What it, do you have any idea? No, what I just
1: don't, I, I don't know what it is with North Americans other than they just don't want to open their minds or change change these paradigms. They just don't want to do it. They don't want to change the history. They don't want to change the timelines. They don't want new information. They just keep continuously giving us the old information and maybe enhancing that a little bit, but they don't want to deal with this. To most mainstream researchers, elongated heads, if found in this country... Right or anywhere else, are a part of an elite or uh, a a class system in a community, and you know those that had higher ranking were the ones that uh, reshaped their heads to show status, and that's period the end, period the end. There's there's no other thinking or thought to it. That's why they did it. And
0: um, but that's not where science is and they know that but yet they're unwilling what's curious about it is that they could own the issue they could be the ones say okay we're going to reveal this underneath you know our oral history here yeah you tell me no no speculation on your part
1: well i could i mean we can speculate as in you know academics you know tenure and grant monies and things that um that people rely on for their profession Mm -hmm. um they can't they can't open that door i guess well
0: how is someone like brian forster viewed by his peers since he's so entrenched in all this
1: i think he's kind of like me in that he's just following a trail and he's doing the work that he needs to do and right or wrong Mm -hmm. he's he's giving the world this information um because he feels a responsibility. Right. And even though this is my own trail, at the same time I'm like, well, this is obviously a passion that needs to be fulfilled, and it's a responsibility. Right. It becomes a responsibility. So you want to finish what you start, and I, I know that's what he's doing as well. He wants to know. And um, so he doesn't let too much get under his skin, so to speak. and. And I don't either because I don't put those people around me. I just, <laughs> I live in, I always mm. say I live in a dimension that just, <laughs> just creates mm. what I need to create. I don't bring any of the negative aspects into it or I try not
0: to anyway. There are aspects of the bone that has been tested that have come up suspicious as far as the progenitor side of the DNA, correct?
1: Well, let's get back to the DNA. So they yeah. had like about 18 different skulls from from the Paracas area tested. And most of that DNA led us over to the uh, Black Sea area. So the Caucasus Mountains, Turkey. Okay. And, um, and then I have continued that trail up into eastern Eurasia uh, because I'm following oral tradition, and I follow those tribal communities and I look at their regalia I look at I mean their regalia is just like a giveaway on some of these things and then I look at the culture and the stories and that's how I follow this trail and I might be following this a little differently than most of our researchers but ultimately they end up right where I have initially intuitively led myself which I love that because I think you should be led intuitively and mm-hmm. then find that hard research through that. And that's what always happens.
0: This intuition that you talk about, it's something different than your intellect. You're, you keep mentioning this here, so I guess let's go down this road here because you're leaning on this constantly with your projects. Is this um, something that you tap into uh, beyond relaxing and just kind of owning it? Do you... Are you tapping into something like an ancestral DNA that is within you? Uh,
1: absolutely. I mean, you're in it right now. This is my every day. This is my, <laughs> this is like, there's not a moment in the day that this information isn't coming through me. Um, I don't, I've been like that for a very long time. It's like wherever I've moved, I've always been able to root into the land and kind of let that history come through me, so to speak. Right. So like with Florida, with the story that was kind of happening. And um, so then taking that leap from Florida over here to the Pacific Northwest, uh, it's it's the same thing. It's it's just enhancing itself because the Pacific Northwest is big. It's it's giant sized. We're, we're really, we live in a giant sized area, giant trees, giant. It was giant sized. So energy is giant sized here, good or bad. Mm-hmm. But it comes through me even more um, here as I root myself into the la- land. And honestly, it just comes through me. And again, right or wrong, it just this is just information that comes through me. And it's my every it's my every day. I mean, I don't sway from this too much. This is my every moment. Actually, I'm in it <laughs> all the time.
0: And you I mean most people call that channeling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you don't use that word. Yeah, it could be channeling. Okay, you I don't mean, care. I,
1: I it's you know, I'm definitely a conduit for mm-hmm. that information. And I always think that um, utilizing my tools mm-hmm. and my skills and the being the conduit, that's how you gain the knowledge because as it comes through you and as you work on this, then the knowledge, they give you the knowledge of what to do with it. Because not only am I, like, for a lack of a better word, repatriating these faces or these ancients of these elongated heads or anything else that I'm working on, um, they're telling me what to do with it now. They're telling, they're giving me the knowledge of who they were and what they were, and they're saying, utilize this information now, because now more than ever, we need to have that lost information come home,
2: mm-hmm.
1: be repatriated, and it needs to be utilized. It needs to be brought back to our communities, and it's going to help, in my way, it's going to help mm-hmm. maybe uh, bridge some, bridge community and bridge mm-hmm. relationships and bring back lost information that will be very, very... Um, it's very important for people. So... Especially our young people. So,
0: This idea that uh, technology is immersed inside this... this old world philosophy that, that you blend the two together and it doesn't seem to go together at all. But if you know anything about megalithic structures... And machining and things like that—is that—is that the catalyst of what you're trying to say? Is that these?
1: That's a part of it. Okay. I mean, it's how you perceive technology. Okay. When we're looking at um, the elongated heads, mm-hmm. and we have four percent that seem like they're naturally with elong head with long heads, and then you have the rest of the planet. Every continent has elongated species. I mean, people that have reshaped their heads. Well, why did they do that? I mean, that's the big question. Who, are I, they, who are they I, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Every place but Antarctica and maybe Antarctica for all I know. Okay. But er, they've just and just recently with the trail that I said I was on with Eastern Eurasia just a few months back, they found a uh, they had a, a a site that had, I believe, 10 or 12 um, uh, elongated skeletons and skulls and skeletons um, that dated back 12,000 years. Well, that's the oldest that I know of. Right. I mean, the Paracas from Peru are 3,000. Go over to Eastern Eurasia, now it's 12,000. So um, so anyway, um, where were we with that? I kind of got missed. Well, no,
0: I, I was You're asking. I mean, you said part of the <laughs> message is, is that you want people to understand that there is this hidden... Uh, technology oh, the, was, the te- was, yeah the technology right. aspect of this yeah how but it's it, much bigger than that it's not as though you're just saying yeah they had you know tools and it's machines how you it's that- how
1: you perceive technology mm-hmm. All of the technology I believe that we have today as we're using right now with the equipment that you're using is just old technology being brought back. it's also being repatriated. We know this through, our young kids, when they're brought into the w- our young kids as they're in in the world now, they're very in tune with technology, and it's not just because they were born into it it's because they're coming with it. I believe they're coming w- to the planet with this technology and they have um, they have a mission with this already um I'm seeing this. I'm noticing this with um, a lot of our communities and talking with kids. It's like they, they're, they're kids that they just don't have the tools. So mm-hmm. what the longheads are telling me specifically is to bring back a balance. Bring back the balance between this technology and your connection to the planet that you live on. You've got to find a balance and a lot of our young people, or anybody, actually, I shouldn't just say young people, we get kind of to the point where we're in technology all the time. I mean, look at our f- people on the phones. They're on the phone all the time. They're looking at the phone. Right. And they're not communicating with each other. A lot of these kids, are they're misusing the technology because they can't find that balance. But at the same time, they're not given the tools that they need to actually... Do the work that they're here for. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example. I I met a couple that have, um, they're really struggling with uh, kind of getting out of a, a, a victim cycle, right? Um, and so they're very traditional people, and they're more into bringing back the past and revitalizing all of the traditional ways and then they have maybe a son that's troubled mm-hmm. and he's not really in tune with that right so he's 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 not it's not working for him but yet he's on his PSP every 5 minutes i mean he's just on that all the time so he actually came over to my room, and I wanted to show him technology. I wanted to show him um, how, what and how I do things because I wanted to know what his thinking was. Um, and his parents came with him, right? and his parents kind of talked for him. So I said, okay, well, what do you want to do? I looked at him, and I said, what would you like to do? And immediately he said, I would like to create a software that expands consciousness... That blah 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 blah. And he went on and on and on, where his parents were just like, Oh my gosh, we never knew that. (laughs) We didn't know that. And we have never given him the tools to help him with that. So in by in what I mean, what I mean by balance is that if he is given those tools and if he's directing himself with what he needs to do, because obviously he already has found this direction. Um, then he can create a balance, and then he can come. He can come back home to that traditional aspect as well, and be mm-hmm. in harmony with that, be in balance with that. And that is what I believe. These elongated, he- those that were reshaping their heads, mm-hmm. were trying to emulate. They were trying to expand consciousness. And they expanded consciousness by vaulting their head, which shifted the pineal gland to more of, you know, when you see these vaults, it's like then that pushes your pineal gland to actually where you do have a third eye. It's right there in front of you. So you've expanded that. You've tapped into that. Most of the, um, you know, the Pacific Northwest was, um, uh, a lot of our communities here are, indigenous communities were head reshapers. A lot of them were. And um, I'm finding out that more of the women did this than the men. And so the men, the women were expanding their consciousness and the men were, were doing, were (laughs) connected to, you know, they're connected (laughs) to the land more. They're, they're the ones that are,
0: uh, uh, (laughs) You didn't take a low shot there on the no, fellas' no, 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 no,
1: <laughs> it's okay. I'm not, it's, it's a great balance. It's, right. a, it's a great balance. So you've got your, your men that are mm-hmm. connected to the planet that are, you know, when you look at the carvers in, in the communities here, they're only men. I've never really seen a woman carver. Right. So they're connected to everything that is an aspect of this planet. And the women are expanding their heads, and they're in tune with communication around the planet and with the cosmos because they're tapping into telepathy. And uh some some of your people will tell you that.
0: Okay, let me let me uh, I don't know if I'm going to challenge your point of view as much as I'm just going to listen. Yeah, I want to <laughs> I'm going to challenge it. <laughs> let's go down this road here as far as um balance. Okay. If if they were who we think they were, if they were let's just call them enlightened for now um, this is
1: the four percent
0: the this uh, is the, the, the actual elongated skulls that okay. the people were cradle boarding to represent what what would have happened besides an earthly cataclysm to take away this balance that they had begun to adapt to that we want to emulate why did we lose why did they lose the balance
1: why did they stop doing this
0: well, no. I mean, as far as, I mean, obviously, we don't have a lot of people here running around with actual elongated skulls anymore that uh, seem to be enlightened with high technology, at least, unless you want to talk about the Bilderbergs. But if, uh, if we're talking about something that seems as though it had, uh, we're trying to emulate this balance that they once had, what, what would happen to these people? What, what's, what's the theory behind where what happened to them?
1: Well, the theory here in this country is Manifest Destiny. I mean, colonization shut it down completely. Shut it down completely. When they came over here, they said, no more. You cannot do this anymore.
0: Okay, so it came up from South America at first? I mean, as far as Manifest Destiny coming up from... No, that's fr-
1: more th- with North America. So North America with colonization in our indigenous communities, mm-hmm. they shut it down. They said, no more. But the I'm
0: Spanish came up from... Places like Machu Picchu up through Mesoamerica. Well,
1: in, in South America, you have um, a Par- the Paracas community first. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be, um, I mean, the whole, uh, the whole community seemed to be longheads. And they seem to be maybe more of a, a gentle, docile people. And then you had the Nazca come in who were more warlike, mm-hmm. who just totally took them over.
0: Then so, they were, so you're saying they were slaughtered.
1: Yeah, they were slaughtered. So and then okay. the Nazca started to emulate them. Okay. And then as the Nazca start to disappear, then we have the Inca who are doing the same thing. They're emulating these long heads. And it just keeps happening and happening with all these different cultures. I mean, there's people, there's cultures that still uh, reshape their babies' heads. I mean, you go to Africa and you'll see cultures, like, don't ask me specifically because <laughs> I can never remember names, but... Um, you have uh, people that are still reshaping heads all over the
0: country. But were they persecuted because they, they had an inherent power? I mean, it, it, was it about power? Was it about... It? You're saying it wasn't an earthly cataclysm, which I always kind of thought they were saying that there was some kind of major earthly event. I mean, we talked a little bit about a flood earlier, possibly 300 years ago, but we're not saying that they were wiped out due to a, a global crisis. Right. Okay, right. Is that what most people believe? I don't know. Okay, that's what you. I don't even know how to really answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just trying to figure out where they went. I know. I'm trying to figure it out too. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, the trail has gotten me to this point right now. I don't know that information. I just is there any
0: theory that they're still here? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. There is, and there are, and I will say, and I won't mention names, there are people that have come to me that have spoken about this being a part of their family. And they don't Mm -hmm. want to bring this up. I I don't know why they, I mean, I know why they feel Mm -hmm. a need to come to me and express it, but at the same time, um, I don't know why they feel a need to not expose this. So I don't know what the core of all this is. I don't know. It's 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 crazy. Is you know, I'm kind of following a benevolent <laughs> side. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I don't know what the other side is. It's stuff that I don't want to get too um I don't want it a part of my everyday. So to speak. So I recognize it and if, have even helped people, you know, other al- alternative researchers mm-hmm. with their theories. But um but I've kind of directed this now to where it's a trail that I'm leading Mm -hmm. because it's for me as we have to be responsible for our own Mm -hmm. sovereignty. So I'm taking care of myself and this is what I need to learn for me. And in doing this, it is obviously helping other people do whatever they need to do to research all of this information. I mean, if we had all of this less information Imagine, imagine what this world looked like. I mean, we're already finding out more and more every day, just through all of the Mm -hmm. uh, utilizing LIDAR and all that, all of these lost civilizations that are just, actually, it's not researchers as much as the planet is showing us.
0: Um, Well, explain what LIDAR is to people that don't know. Well, I don't know the science behind it, other than it's it's like...
1: It's like a com- computer. Uh, they're penetrating laser, penetrating the land, so to speak, mm-hmm. and it will show you then the what's under, kind of underneath the surface of the land. It'll go kind of down a little ways, right? Is that right? right? Okay. I think. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how to really explain stuff. I just know how to create stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so. Um, like unfortunately, you know, with all of the trees that have been cut away from the rainforest, um, which is horrific, then the planet is showing you with lidar all of the civilizations that were there prior. I mean you can start seeing all this stuff I mean it's crazy it's all over the place even in was it Antarctica they've f- Just as of late, I mean, it was just a few months ago that there was this face that was kind of, you know, like a glyph that was kind of coming out because of the snow receding, so to speak. So, I mean, it's amazing stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. can you imagine if we would have had that, an understanding of all that? (laughs) So, I don't know. There's just this thick veil that needs to be thinned out so we can start understanding who we are, you know, What we're doing here? Why are we here? Where are we going? I mean, this is 2019, and we're still asking those questions. And when I was a young girl, I asked those questions because it didn't make sense to me. This whole game never made sense to me. I was like, what in the heck is this all about? You do this, and then it's done. Well, where'd you go then?
0: Before we leave this issue, because I want to get to LIDAR and I want to get to um, your episode on ancient aliens and talk about that more. But has anything happened to you, uh, supernatural, since you started to work with these heads in your own life that is noticeable?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, kind of. (laughs)
0: Have you I made mean, had posit- you made note of it and say okay when I started this things really changed or something happened?
1: I think what it has done for me, like I said again, I am responsible for myself. Mm-hmm. I am my own personal sovereignty, meaning I have to take care of me. Okay, um, before I can do anything else, and in doing that and in doing this, what it does is it re- enriches your. Person, It enriches who you are within more than anything. This isn't every day for me, so I can't... I mean, it's just my world. Right. So I don't know specifically other than I'm being authentic with this. I'm utilizing my tools and my skills Mm -hmm. and now knowledge to take me to whatever the next... I let things unfold. So it just takes me to the next step, whatever that next step is. And... Maybe I'm not as conditioned as I once was. maybe I'm allow things to uh, unfold a lot easier than I would be you know the fear factor of life, so to speak. Right. maybe i'm maybe I let all of it flow a lot differently now. Maybe I have more of an understanding of that where I've had to drop a lot of old conditioning and um uh, maybe that's a part of it, and also. I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. Well, because I appreciate hard. how
0: you answered it here, but more specifically, has anything? Have you? Are there attributes that have increased in your own life? I.e., dreams that seem more prophetic, um, things that happen in and around the house that are in explained, lights, um, activity. Has anything happened okay. like that since you started working with these? Gotcha. <laughs> um.
1: You know, initially when I started doing this, I got more of the negative aspects because people would give me the negative aspects of this. Like people would send me emails and go, "You don't do this." <laughs> so, so there was a lot of stuff I had to overcome because people were like, "Don't just don't do this. You're going to regret doing this. What, you're ar- going to get a, sick if you do." As an
0: artist, like, don't make these don't, choices. An artist, don't
1: go down this path. Okay. Don't reconstruct these people. Don't mess with this subject matter. Um, and then I decided that I mean, and it did stop me. It, it, I mean, it stopped momentarily. It was like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here that I don't know? You know, right. I, What what's so dangerous about this? Um, so I just allowed it not to be dangerous. And when I say I put myself in a dimension, I do. I am probably one of the most invisible, visible people <laughs> you'll ever meet because I have placed myself in a dimension that works for me. So maybe I, a perfect example is maybe I have an eye on what takes place in our country, you know, like with our government and everything else, but I don't participate. I stay in my dimension and I bring in what needs to be in that dimension into my world. You're in my dimension, so you're you must be a pretty good guy.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> I, s- I snuck up here to steal her drums. <laughs> is what happened. <laughs> so
1: um, but initially, that's what happened. Oh uh, yeah. Um, but through time, I guess all that fear and all that conditioning just mm-hmm. melted away, and now, um, I'm just following what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Well, do you now, feel
0: like the question I've asked you has dark connotations? No, not at all. Okay. Because when just, I say I'm if you relaying, have prophetic dreams.
1: Yeah, I'm just relaying what I okay. initially felt, I think more probably physically, and people told me I mean, this is you know, people were telling me right. you know, don't do this and blah blah blah. But no, you know what? I have always been tapped into that. I've always been very in tune with mm-hmm. the dream time. Um, very in tune with living in the moment mm-hmm. to where things come through me, um, where I see the synchronizations, you know, when you get kind of in the moment, and tapped in, you do see synchronizations, you do, uh, it's nothing uncommon for me, it's just like some, it's my everyday. Uh, Well, one thing that I would say is that since moving to the Pacific Northwest, I knew I was going to have to deal with something that I had put off for a very long time. And that's kind of interesting in that um, when I was younger, I was always outside and in tune with uh, the things that would happen out in the forest, you know, or or whatever was happening in the forest. I was very connected that way and kind of um, didn't lose it, but got away from it just because of, you know, life and moving and professions and all that kind of stuff. And when I moved from Florida back to the Northwest uh, to Washington, I said to myself, you know, you're going to have to really – go within a little bit further and you're going to have to get back out into those forests and you're going to have to start um, dealing with a few things. And when I say dealing, it was like, um, I'm very in tune with, um, our, the entities that reside in other dimensions maybe that are, I guess we associate with the forest. Um, but I knew that that would get stronger and that has been very, very positive. And that has been, uh, I wouldn't say dream time. It's been more in the physical of the, what has happened with all of that. So um, that I've really tapped into. And that has helped me. And I'm not so sure that wasn't what initiated all of this from the beginning. <laughs> it has kind of led me.
0: Did, and you, now- have a, did you have a childhood encounter?
1: Uh, no, but okay. i I always knew that it surrounded me. Um, it was, I just knew, you know, when you're a child, you just mm. know when you're out in the woods that there is something around you, you know, that you might not be able to, I didn't see it, but I knew mm. it was there. I always knew it was there.
0: I don't know. I don't know if everybody knows that, but I will tell you that, um, and I'll see if you agree with this, that people that have experiences, either forgotten experiences or, you know flushed away experiences tend to know that more and you're telling me you've never experienced any of that as a child
1: well i you know now that you're saying that maybe through dream time i did experience that
0: but no literal I contact
1: don't believe i had literal physical contact i don't mm-hmm. think so
0: because you draw little people as well i'm if you look at you i mean it's all throughout your art well it is a little bit here too but that's more of a spirit form but um you're in contact also my god I'm looking at this drum again that Marcia did and it's <laughs> <laughs> it's so good yeah, I'm bringing this to uh, you know
1: I when I started creating that you know and this stuff comes through you definitely uh, it's skills it's and tools so I mean good. you ha- when you work at something every yeah. day you just develop a skill I mean that's mm-hmm. that's the way it is but at the same time I started creating this and I went wait a minute I'm getting kind of jealous here this <laughs> 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 yeah I'm like this is kind of cool
0: no, but that's, I mean, that kind of lets me know what you think of her too because you wouldn't spend this kind of quality time on a chump. And uh, she's not, but some people oh, may. Oh,
1: absolutely. No, the people that, I <laughs> that are in my life, like yourself, right. are, um, you, you go the distance with that yeah. because um, not only i need to go the distance i'm this is is mm-hmm. i'm i'm giving energy right. to this and she's given energy to the drum and so then in doing the collaboration so to speak it's like right. it's it's amazing and it'll be it'll be so much it'll just take her to the next level so to speak mm-hmm. if that makes sense so i mean her drums have taken me to the next level it's like She's brought me back home, mm-hmm. so to speak, a little bit more. Like I said, but I knew I was going to have to get more and more in tune with being on the planet, being in and on the planet again, where I've spent a lot of time virtually with technology. So now I have to find that right.
0: balance. And Marcia is sitting in front of her workspace Computer. here. She's got her uh, flat screen. And that, that is your.
1: That's a Cintiq. That's one of the drawing tablets.
0: Yeah, it's very high flute, and this is not an Etch a Sketch by <laughs> any means. And uh, her iMac here. And um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very simple, small little space, but if you can just imagine the brilliance coming out of a tight quarters, it's ampl- it amplifies uh, a lot of what's going on here. And it's just so unique. Like, uh, you know, when we first met, uh, I think it was just last year. And Greenwater, I couldn't believe the pieces that you brought, because as an artist myself, nothing like this. I know how much work it takes to do something simple. But to bring this, I mean, you really want people, everyday people, not people from galleries, to experience this. And it's, it's, uh, it's hard to relate to people just how incredible all your work is.
1: Hey, well, you know what? You're pretty darn creative too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're the large (laughs) sasquatch guy i mean come on that is phenomenal oh yeah yeah, and all of the masks that you've been creating Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is those are it's wonderful oh my gosh she's
0: being very kind me and my my chainsaw (laughs)
1: isn't that cool (laughs)
0: okay i want to go back to some of these experiences that you've had here doesn't want to talk about himself uh yeah we don't (laughs) um you, you're you posting yourself, because uh, I follow you on Facebook, you're posting yourself out um, near this spot here in Bellingham where you're having regular contact with something that, ha- that has <laughs> or has not presented itself.
1: Yeah, it kind of has and hasn't at the same time.
0: Okay, what do you mean?
1: Um, well, I don't have to go very far to find what I need to find. I mean, as far as walking into the woods and seeing things physically that have been if we're talking about structures. And I I don't like to use that word because I don't think they're really I don't know. I don't they're structures but at the same time whoever is making these, even though I n- think I know who's making these, I'm like I'm not sure why they're making well let's let's just put it this way. They're out there. I see these structures. <laughs> some of <laughs> them are like older, you right. know, where I can see where well nothing's happening too much around here, and then some are like, oh, there's a lot going on over here, and there's a lot happening over here.
2: Right.
1: And it and what amazes me is I don't have to go into the high country to see this. It's just right in my backyard practically. So I'm going out there and I'm uh, building kind of uh, unseen relationships. Okay, And um, noticing the communication through all of the the glyphs that are presented to me um, on the trail, which I think the trail, if if you look at it as an artist looks at something, when you see glyphs like on a trail, it's like, why wouldn't you? I mean, that's like a nice canvas. Why wouldn't you make a little something there? And sometimes you'll see these glyphs and you go, wait a minute, I need to go back and take a picture of that. And when you go back, you're like, oh, <laughs> "Where? It's gone. What happened to that?" So there's also those moments that you have to make sure you're in, and and reciprocate in, right? Um, otherwise, it's gone. It's it's you know, it's kind of like um, anything that you're tapped into. If you don't pay attention to it, it just goes out into the ethers and goes to somebody else. You know, we'll just find somebody else. But um, but there's a lot of that. There's a lot of glyphs, uh, wonderful um, artistic glyphs that are created. Well, this will describe some of the,
0: the glyphs.
1: Well, I'm noticing with a, uh, somebody that's creating these that they always, they create this little painting. It's almost like they want me to see like a little painting because I'm an artist. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. So they, they do these little uh with leaves and with pine cones and little sticks. They kind of create this little scene. And I just think that's so it's so fitting for an artist to receive something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that uh, that message so to speak.
0: So um, the tailor made it uh, Yeah. For you. Yeah. Yeah. So and then you i noticed it, but yeah. maybe not the other hikers
1: and then i've gone yeah exactly in fact nobody notices and that's an interesting story in itself i went out this last summer and i have a sketchbook that i'm always you know journal sketching right and i went out to one of my favorite places and i sat on a log which was probably um from me to maybe you a couple more feet you know from the trail okay and i'm sketching close to the trail and there were probably about 10 people that walked by me within maybe a couple hours span. There was there was only one person that saw me. Only one.
0: That and I'm sitting there lot. going,
1: you've got to be kidding me. I'm sitting here sketching. Right. We're visually just like I could practically just throw a, throw a rock at you. <laughs> yeah. And um, you're not noticing me at all. You're not in the moment of where you need to be. You're talking about, you know, some other story. And you're not in camo. You're not in the hiding
0: in the pucker brush. You're right no, there. No,
1: I'm just, I'm just sketching with my sketchbook. I don't know what I had on, but I'm sure it wasn't anything that was really, you know, camouflaged into mm-hmm. the land. So, if I'm going unnoticed, then think of what else out there is going unnoticed. A lot. And I'm also noticing that you either see it or you don't. So people that are with me, I'm like, I'll see something, but they don't see it until I really, really point it out to them. Okay. So I find that interesting too. It's like, and people always call that like you have a hunter's eye or something. Oh, you just have a hunter's eye. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, that big asterisk X structure (laughs) is like in my face and you don't see that? it's just it's just amazing to me. It's interesting. It's it's so intriguing. It really is.
0: Is this a new world to you recently or have you always been looking for st- Well, I've
1: always kind of lived in this world. Right. In my own space, so to speak, and in my dream right. time and but this is new physically. Right. You haven't physically been out seeing yes. stick physically structures and glyphs and Yeah. It's new. And I learned all that from from um um all of those wonderful researchers right. that have been in this for many, many years. And they're not researchers. They're just, you know, that's for lack of a better word. Right. This is their connection.
0: So. Mm-hmm. you told me that um, in these areas, and I can edit this part out if you want, no, but you, okay. you said there are many, many portals.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we're in a portal right now. I mean, honestly, I was just thinking about it. We're sitting here talking, and there's no ceiling. It just goes away out into the cosmos (laughs) and it just that's how this information just goes back and forth and how i love little little places like this because that's how that's just how it works for me i guess so i can feel that but yeah when i go out there um immediately i connect with portals and it's interesting because a lot of these portals that i have seen are uh it's like they're kind of a megalithic rock structure that look looks like um, it actually has kind of a physical presence, okay, or maybe I create that myself, but it's there. I mean, you can definitely see that it's there's something to it. I mean, you just you get a whole different you know you just get a whole different feeling when you approach it, and you just you're like, hmm, this is just what is this?" So what I've talked to you about is that there's a portal, kind of rock structure, that I am a, am around quite a bit, and then up just up the hill there's like a, a a wood structure, and then just up the hill just a little bit further you have this humongous asterisk structure. So you've got portal structure asterisk. Yeah. And
0: and what wood. does the asterisk mean? Do you have any idea?
1: For me? Yeah. Well, I've noticed, and this is just my interpretation. I haven't been in this that long, but at the same time, this is what's coming through me
0: it's all as
1: right. I see all of this in the woods. I am being told that not only that I just told you I created a dimension, when you're out there and you're seeing these X's upon X's upon X's upon X's, it's because, for me... My interpretation that there are just levels and levels and levels of dimension. And do not get yourself locked into this dimension. Open your mind again to the possibilities of other dimensions mm-hmm. and expand your consciousness. Like the longheads, we're expanding their consciousness. Open up those dimensions. Open up to we have what the seventh chakra. Open up to the eighth <laughs> chakra. Open up to the ninth yeah. chakra. Open up to those dimensions. And maybe, maybe you'll be able to see us or we'll show, show ourselves. But you need to understand that there's just so many dimensions that we're just walking in and out and around all day long. And that these structures, I believe, are, are showing us that there's so many dimensions. When I walk in some of those structures, like all those X's, I mean, I've c- be, I've come I've gone out there where there's just layers and layers of X's, X's 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 with the tree branches and such. Okay, I'll get in there because I'll kind of be intrigued by it, and I'll walk in that maze of and I mean, you'll start seeing the layers of the layers of of trees just creating these dimensions, and you'll get in there. And then, honestly, I can't get out. It's like I see the trail, but I can't find my way out. It's like how am I gonna? I'm just the trail's just right over here. How am I gonna get out? So
0: you you don't you, you mean this literally? Yes. Okay.
1: Where I've gone in there, and I'm like I can't find my way out. I mean, I really ha- it's like a this map that I really have to figure my way out to get back to the trail.
0: And you're just feet away from it.
1: And I'm just not too far away from mm-hmm. it. I can see it. Maybe not feet away, but I can see it. And I'm like, how did I just get in here? And now I can't get Mm. out. So that's how I know that there, well, again, this is my interpretation, that there are just dimensions upon dimensions that are being built for whatever reason. So it opens your mind to you're living in all these dimensions. Now, is that for me specifically when I go out there? probably not but kind of sorta you know what i'm saying it's like it is for me but it was already there but yet i'm seeing it and i'm i um, i'm a part of it and i'm in it <laughs> so i guess it's for me a little bit because i'm here but why was it made initially you know i just right. yeah i don't i don't really know i don't if it, it is there something else that's being tapped in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that comes from somewhere else?
0: Have you seen any kind of sign that they know what you're doing here as far as art's concerned? Have, have you seen any kind of signs of uh, appreciation over your gallery exhibit or anything like that? From oh, yeah. You? Yes. Absolutely. Okay.
1: I mean, and I can, you know, I've had, you know, If you want to say dream time, we can. Mm -hmm. I've had where in this room um, an entity that was uh, veiled, I would say, because I didn't see physically. I didn't see, like, you know, characteristics. But I saw that it was very uh, Sasquatch-looking. And um, we, I mean, I don't know how people are going to take this, but um, I was a little nervous about it. This was night, you know, so it's t- kind of dream time, but not at the same time. I'm I'm conscious but not conscious. I've come right in the middle stage. Right. And so these this entity is in my room and it's holding up its uh, hand like this. And I'm saying to myself, Oh my god, Marcia, just hold up your hand, <laughs> just hold up your hand. So it took everything in my power to hold up my hand and just we just kind of connected, but didn't connect but there was a, a blue-green energy that just flowed from that entity to me. Um, it was it was phenomenal.
0: Mm, wow. I've never heard this story.
1: I've never told no. you that story? It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And with that always comes a little
0: test afterwards.
1: <laughs> I don't know why.
0: What, y- k- what kind of test?
1: Um, I think sometimes that positiveness, sometimes sh- you're given a little... Uh, something that comes in kind of negative that um, maybe within the next day or two that just kind of says, are you ready for this? <laughs> are you ready for this? Like an initiation of
0: some kind to see if you're ready? Excuse me? Like an initiation of some kind? Maybe. Okay.
1: Maybe it is. And so you have to maybe let go of something that has is a cycle that needs to be gone. Mm-hmm. And then in doing so, then you've kind of completed that initiation. And and then it continues. Yeah, it's, I have, it's been very, very cool since I've moved here. And that, that connection has been
0: really, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've spent, well, now when did you get into town? You've been into town, has it been less it's than about two about years? a
1: year and a half. Okay. even, yeah. So
0: you've experienced a winter and a fall here before. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the summer was incredible this year. We didn't have any fires, so you must have been out constantly when you could. Yeah, I make it a part of
1: my routine to be out two or three times a week.
0: Okay. Yeah. it's my overnights? Are you doing anything overnight? I
1: haven't really been able to do too many overnights, Mm -hmm. but um, that's kind of the next step, so to speak. But um, I really, really enjoy the connection that I have right now Mm -hmm. in just doing this kind of repetitively in the same areas, just taking some really... I mean, it becomes a part of my, my project, uh, meaning it becomes a part of my life, it's part of my world. Um, mm-hmm. I did this last, uh, August, I went out to, um, mm-hmm. And wanted to just kind of experience, um, there was a conference out there and wanted to experience that a little bit. And um, that is where I actually had a, a, an extremely a very interesting encounter. Did I Ever tell you about that one?
0: I I think I've heard a little bit about. Well, but you tell it because I I think I think I heard yeah, from I Aaron a little bit about actually this. Actually, I haven't
1: told any. But I didn't want anybody to really even know about it out there. Okay. I, I well always kind of think these are.
0: Nobody will hear this podcast, so <laughs> nobody's gonna hear this. No. Sorry yeah, you had to come this yeah, way. Yeah, just whisper it.
1: Sorry you had to come all this way. and I <laughs> can't even share this with anybody.
0: <laughs> Ch- Chawila is where they had the psychic Sasquatch yeah. with Kiwani Laparitis. And it was a pretty big event from what I saw with yeah, the photographs. Yeah, a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I went to the one um, that I met you as an observer. Right, right. And I went to this one as kind of an observer, too. Yeah. Because that's, that's just who I am as a human. I just... I'm an observer, more of a participant initially. Right. Um, but when I went over there, I made it... I, I really wanted to see the territory, too, you know? So um, I wanted to go out for hikes and just see what that part of the world was like, the environment. And um, I went on the trail one day, and, and I was walking along and noticed some, and I wouldn't have noticed this before, but with all of you guys that are into this so heavily, I noticed some butt prints. I mean, I really noticed them this time. I went, what? They were butt prints. And um, I had just gotten told that there was a specific sage that's out there that is kind of a, they call it Bigfoot sage or something that they... They really like this sage. I don't know. I'll have to okay. research that a little bit more for you for yeah. this information for <laughs> okay, you. Okay, Bigfoot sage. Yeah, I like something. It. But anyway, that's it. These butt prints were in that area okay. with the sage. Oh, well, that's interesting. Okay. Um, and then as I walked down the trail a little bit further, I saw this kind of uh, little scrawny tree that had a limb. That was sticking out. That was just enough for me to, you know, grab up if I wanted to grab up and touch that limb. There were no leaves on it, and it formed this little fork. And inside this fork was that pine cone that you'll see over there.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> okay.
1: And there's some little squishy marks on that pine cone. You know, like yeah, someone down real, the maybe lower heavy, part there. Yeah. Heavy fingered might have crunched it a little bit. Okay. Okay, so I saw that up in this little fork of a, you know, little twig. And I'm like, all right, what the heck is that? I mean, and there's no pine cones for miles around. I'm like, "What?" I mean, there's pine cones, but they're way off, you know. Someone right. either put it there. Somebody put it there. So I looked at that pine cone, and then I looked into uh, the timber ways, and I got my first, like, half a second sighting
0: oh really yeah
1: and um and i don't know how long it was i just know i got it for just like a snap of a finger and then it, it kind of veiled itself again um but i'm noticing that when that happens to me specifically maybe it happens to other it's like this overwhelming heart's expansion happens mm-hmm. it's like your your heart just opens up like three or four times the size of your chest, and you're like, mm. oh, my God, it's just this energy that is just unbelievably kind of loving, so to speak, and um, and so I took out, I had a, a piece of paper and a pen, and I drew a sketch, a little sketch, and I took the pine cone, and then I put a little sketch in replace.
0: Oh, you did? Yeah, so
1: I left a sketch, <laughs> so. Anyway, I think that's was given to me, so I... Um, I thought the pine cone was very fitting and that mm. that it's, yeah, we're tapping into our Well, now explain what gland. the pine
0: cone has to do with the pineal gland for people.
1: Well, that's the symbol that's always been used um, for the pineal gland, and mm-hmm. you see that all over the place. I mean, a lot of religions even use the mm-hmm. pine cone as, um, I don't know if they specifically use it as tapping into the pineal gland, but that's how they, there's a reference there. Mm-hmm. You probably know more about it than no, I do. No, no, no. Yeah. I just,
0: I knew that little bit. I just knew that little bit.
1: The pineal gland has mm-hmm. the look of a pine cone. Okay. So it has those layers.
0: Or like is it the uh the iohorus too when yep. you bisect yep. it? Absolutely. Okay. So I
1: mm-hmm. was I thought that was very fitting. And I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." So that's
0: That's very fitting.
1: Really. That was my trip to.
0: But treatment. you walked away with a sighting.
1: For half a s- half a second. I mean, I I really <laughs> felt like it was. Yeah. I mean, I'm hesitant it's not like i had this sit down talk with anybody but um but yeah and you said it
0: veiled itself so what do you mean by veiled
1: as in it's interesting how this is how sometimes you can talk yourself out of things you know you're (laughs) like all right. right um it kind of it went from kind of a physical form into kind of a shadow form, but yet it was still there. Okay, if that's what I was seeing, it was still there, and the energy that was coming from that was definitely hitting me very, very strongly. I mean, to the point where I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is really." It was overwhelming. Um, the heart expansion was overwhelming, which I am just so intrigued by how that happens, and it's just, I mean, it's just huge.
0: You weren't the only one that had some stuff happen at that event in particular. I think there are at least one other person uh, that we both know that had an experience there. We we didn't make it for whatever reason, but we think we want to go next year because there's been a lot of good talk about that particular conference, and we're curious about um, what people are saying. So maybe we'll see you. Before we get, um, I, I, I don't want to end this interview too abruptly here, but. We're down to like the last uh, little bit of time here. So I wanted to briefly talk about, I mean, you have some stuff coming up on the horizon here, probably some stuff that you can't talk about. You're in the midst of trying to open up some stuff around here, your own art installation, your own gallery in town. But you also um, did an episode of Ancient Aliens, which is no small affair. I know it's just cable network to you, but to people, that's how they've, Get their information. To them, that's news. Mm -hmm. So, you were part of a recreation of um, a large Earth petroglyph. Tell people about what that is and why it's important.
1: Well, I have worked with um, the History Channel, Ancient Aliens specifically, for a couple of episodes. So, one of the first episodes was working with Brian, it was a scene with Brian Forrester, and we were reconstructing kind of an elongated head. So, that was one episode. And in this second episode, they came to me and said, would you reconstruct um, the Badlands Guardian, which is up in Alberta, kind of in the Medicine Hat area, out in the plains. Um, and it's a glyph that you can only see aerial, from aerial view. Um, and the shape of this glyph, the, the ins and outs of it, kind of create this um, physical form. It kind of looks like... I mean, people want it to kind of look like an indigenous person from up there, or, you know, what is it? So they came to me and said, hey, reconstruct this. So I did, and I, I really took a look at this, and I could have went, I went more with a Mesoamerican interpretation, but I could have easily have gone with a Egyptian uh, interpretation as well. Um, I took the Mesoamerican interpretation. Uh, it just seemed a little bit stronger to me visually because of the way of the this, this different shapes that were kind of coming out. Um, but it formed just like some of the Egyptian sculptures that I've seen as well. So, um, But anyway, I went down to uh, Los Angeles and had a uh, show with uh, Giorgio And, um, you know, people always ask me, why do you do that? I mean, it's such sensationalism, you know, and, and I'm like, well, you know what, regardless of what you think, um, this show is at the same time, it's, it does reach the masses. And if anything, it's again, introducing a, a topic and a, um, something that you can keep your mind open to the possibilities again it's like an interpretation to start thinking for you you know go and think for yourself right if there's something that you're curious about uh, this is just a way to enhance that you know they're not here to say this is right or this is wrong but they're they're just doing the same thing I'm doing they're trying to just open the mainstream mind to um, what is out there and start thinking doing it. Start doing this research on your own if you need to. Well, and
0: bit. plus, you know, you got commercials for Toyota, and you got forty-three minutes to try to slam in these images into these, you know, seventeen-year-old boys' head to, you know, get them from not playing their Xbox. Right. And so they're they're doing all that there, and they of course the their whole, <laughs> and I use this line sometimes too is what if the Mesoamerican? What if Marcia came or is right? Ra- and that "what if" really is their tagline for saying, you know, down this deeper rabbit hole. Yeah,
1: and, and and people that have done their own research from that show, I've had a lot of connections. A lot of people come to me, um, and they want to express the research they're doing. They just want someone to understand the research they're doing. They're like, "I'm not crazy, right? I mean, mm. I'm, I'm this is I'm doing this because it's really here, right?" And right. I'm like. If I'm here to do that as well, I'm like, follow what you need to follow, mm-hmm. research what you need to research, follow that trail that is obviously unfolding for you. So follow it. Absolutely.
0: Are you going down any other rabbit holes right now privately that um, we would be surprised about? I mean, if you're looking at uh, land glyphs like this, are you looking to other earth anomalies like geomanced areas, uh, hidden places, uh Crop circles, things like that?
1: Yeah, I'm working on a couple of non-disclosure projects that kind of talk about that. Okay. That's included. Yeah. All right. I'm working to help others bring forward their information. Mm -hmm. And that's how I also utilize my tools and my skills Mm -hmm. um, to help others. And I'm I'm picking and choosing now. I'm like, "Mm," you know, before I would just try to help everyone because I really, really wanted to help everyone. But now I'm like... Well, take on the ones that are really—it um, makes sense to you a little bit more, and mm-hmm. it kind of is in more in tune with who you are. So,
0: well, and this takes time, and th- there's a value behind it. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to be smart. Yeah. you can't just do this for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I'll take on a few people.
0: You said that you were approached too by someone um, regarding how you're utilizing. Your digital pad there to to draw on. I forget who you said you were approached by, and they were on how you were working with it, and didn't understand how you were basically pushing the envelope with this. Here, who who approached you? You said there was some. Was ma- that with the
1: software that I'm using? Yes. Okay, like the 3D software. Yes. Early on, um, the actual software company came <laughs> to me <laughs> right. and said, "What are you doing?" Right. Yeah, and they essentially wanted to have me create a few tutorials for them, and I did.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, but yeah, when the software companies come into you, and you've taught yourself how to do all this, right? Then they're curious. They're like, "What the heck are you doing?" Because it's not like I'm utilizing this in the entertainment business, so to speak, so much. Right. I'm doing this on my own as more of a fine artist, and they were yeah. just—they were very intrigued by that. So they wanted to kind of open that door to other mm-hmm. people that might want to try that. Right And um, yeah, they uh, the software company initially, early on when I was learning mm-hmm. the 3D sculpture software, marketed mm-hmm. my work a lot.
0: Yeah, it's hard to describe the realism that you've employed here. But I mean, you've seen the shows from Avatar on down to all the other CGI works out there where the skin pores are there with the wrinkles and it's moving properly. And you can see the muscle flow in the bone. And um, it's just really super impressive. But then when you look at these elongated skulls and you're like, well, they're fair skinned, something's not right. Maybe Marcia doesn't know. <laughs> but this is part of the intrigue to it. It's just like, well, these are fair skinned individuals here. Why would that be? You yeah. know, I mean... So there's that. It pulls you in. The
1: DNA trail leads me to a lot of that anthropology aspect of it. And as an artist and really following my own trail with this now more Mm -hmm. than ever, I'm creating this in a way that's artistic as well. I want Mm -hmm. it to be artistic. I don't want it to be a lifeless, soulless entity that has come back home. I want it to take shape in a way that it's, it's back they're back. They're back. <laughs> and y- when you look in the eyes of this sculpture, you're like, she's back. I mean, she has come home, so to speak. Um, yeah. Where most forensics, and, and actually, I shouldn't say that there's a lot of people out there now that are really getting pretty detailed with all this stuff. Right. Um, but I just think if this was... This is energy, you know, even the skull had, has this energy mm-hmm. and it's coming through and it's shaping itself, what it was, who it was, mm-hmm. information that it has, then respectfully bring it back in a cool way, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. this is how they want to come home. So.
0: Well, I like to end it with they're back, she's back, <laughs> because it really feels that way, like they, they've reclaimed their place in the, in the human human lineage if we're going to call them, do you call them human? I mean, uh, there's a humanity there, but there's something extra.
1: Yeah, I I try to take it a step at a time because I know how far <laughs> I could go with this. Right. And um, that's one of the things that I learned growing up in the heartland, you know, when you said I don't seem pretentious or whatever with the work. Right. I liked. Th- this is how one needs to convey this to other people. Um, Growing up in Iowa, I mean, I had parents that were, you know, from large farm families, and I always had to break things down kind of simply for them (laughs) to understand some of my creative oddness.
2: (laughs) Right, right, right.
1: I would break it down very simply, and I think that that was a great tool. That was a great chapter in that I learned how to now even do that now, where I'm breaking it down in a way that... People can think about it, Mm -hmm. and people can start to, you know, process this slowly. If I take this into full-blown cosmos alien world, which I could do, because why not? I mean, the anomalies of these skulls could reshape this completely. But I'm letting Mm -hmm. this unfold in a way that we can slowly understand it, Mm -hmm. and then maybe it will slowly start to take form in other ways which will just bring on the next layer of all this i guess
0: right and you can't help but i mean um th- you're friends with ron moorhead and of course uh ron was introduced to la marzulli and they went down with brian forrester to south america and ron's really only interest according to him was to see what the connection would be between the sagittal crest of a sasquatch right. and these elongated heads if there is a link here and I don't know if the link would be connected as much as Ron had hoped. But there is something about um, the secrets like to keep themselves. And this is one of those secrets that likes to keep itself, just like Sasquatch. The secrets are in control. And um, I think there's some I think
1: there's actually quite a bit of connection there. You do. Yeah. I'm not going to say that. Everyone that reshaped their head was thinking that. But the trail that I'm on, Mm -hmm. they were thinking that. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm on kind of a unique Mm -hmm. trail with this. Because I want to point out some things that people wouldn't tap into that are being shown to me. And that's, you know, again, a lot of that comes from being positioned here in the Pacific Northwest. And then it will become even more Mm -hmm. apparent As we go to eastern Eurasia Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and visit some of the tribal people over there and look at the aesthetics that come from that territory. And then kind of, uh, I guess, I can give you this one uh, just as kind of a last note here. Okay. I've been looking into, and I want to share this with Ron, the, um, the throat singers. And you dive into that culture aspect with our Inuit people mm-hmm. that do that here in this part of the globe. And then you have the people over in Eastern Eurasia that do that. And the connection is very strong. The in and the out breathing that Ron uh, talks about mm-hmm. and is, you know, when you hear some of his, his, uh,
0: recordings. his recordings, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Thanks.
1: Um, you have that in and that out breathing and that's exactly what they're emulating the in and the out. And they will say they are, um, maybe they don't know, but when they give a explanation of where this came from, they said it's a relationship to nature and it's a relationship to the animals. Mm -hmm. And all of those stories come from that relationship. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I just Mm -hmm. need to get into a circle over there in Eastern (laughs) Eurasia.
0: (laughs) Oh, out wow. in the
1: middle of the, the snow somewhere, and I'm going to find that one person that's going to tell me that relationship is absolutely spot on.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there for a, uh, an upcoming conversation that you'll have with Ron. I don't want him to hear this and uh, hear it from me instead of you, but I think I see where you're going. Um, <laughs> what uh, what can people expect from you as far as um, uh, this 2020 you're not doing galleries, per se, that I know of. Um, how can they get a hold of you? Do you have books coming out? Plug yourself a little bit.
1: Um, well, I have a website, and people can go to my website to see all of my current uh, creative works. Mm-hmm. And that's um, my name, Marcia, my initial K, Moore, and then I have C-M-R Studio, <laughs> ciamar studio dot com little lengthy, but mm-hmm. you'll find it if you just Google it. Okay. Um, and this year, uh, last year was about building relationships and really kind of connecting with community. Because that was another thing that I wanted to do specifically when I moved here, too, was to create um, this as a hub for this big project. Right. So the big project will start probably unfolding this year. So hopefully there will be a space mm-hmm. for this project where you will be able to see the process of Mm -hmm. all of this work being developed, and it will become a studio, and then Mm -hmm. also a gallery where it can be shown. I Mm -hmm. mean, I guess more of an exhibit, so to speak, but gallery too. Um, And then also collaborations with community. I am going to be and am uh, collaborating with uh, uh, several artists over with the Lummi community. And that whole collaboration is happening artistically. And, um,
0: and the Lemmy natives are the tribe here. Yeah,
1: just right okay. right next door. Gotcha. I mean, actually, mm-hmm. we're on their territory, but.
0: <laughs> <you> right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. We're in a So combat.
1: And that's essentially what I'm going to be doing with them, too, is to have people recognize that, hey, there's ancient history here. Right. Let's Let's bring it home and so we're going to fuse our skills and our tools and our knowledge together and create a footing or a mapping of that lost history and bring it home to this area through artwork through our sculptures so we're very hopeful for that anyway so and that yeah. again will be utilizing not only our traditional skills but mm-hmm. then we bring in technology mm-hmm. where that footing becomes an application that you know that you would receive at the right. airport or something that you can download or upload whatever you do on your phone and <laughs> <laughs> i never know the difference and then um and then you can take part you can be a part of that you know mm-hmm. so again it's a part of that lost knowledge coming back home through the longheads, and that they're saying create a balance between the technology mm-hmm. and the tradition
0: and if people want to um, reach out to you personally do you have an email Where people can I have an email
1: through my website that they they can reach out? Absolutely. And then if they are personal enough to Mm -hmm. me, I'll give them my other email.
0: Okay, gotcha. (laughs) All right. So if you have any questions, to shoot them to our website specifically. Thanks, Marcia.
1: Oh, thank you. This has been cool.
0: Yeah. All right. Like this? We're out of here. I'm gonna do. um, We're gonna do some footage now, folks, uh, on the the camera and uh, do a visual aid here, and um, so you can look forward to that as well. But uh, this is the end of this transmission. Thanks for listening. Again, that was Marcia K. Moore with CMR Studios up in Bellingham, Washington. And the wealth of knowledge. And let's talk about where she's going to be in the future. Well, I know that she's going to... I'm going to talk her into being a speaker at a conference. She needs to, to embrace that. There's, there's so much to share. And uh, so we, I tell you what, if you uh, can get on CMR Studios, look up Marcia K. Moore and find her email address or reach out to her on Facebook and tell her you'd love to see her at a conference. I think if we all, uh, you know, kindly nudge her towards the microphone more and more, I think that would be great. She's going to have a compatriot show up on the 25th and you should show up with him. Ron Moorhead is going to bring his elongated skulls that he collected with Brian Forrester and Ellie Marzuli from Peru. A childhood skull. It's uh, it's remarkable. It it looks as good as the real thing, and we're going to go take a deep dive about his uh, adventures because he's an adventurer down in Peru. That's this the twenty-fifth, and Port Townsend, Washington, free event, from seven to eleven. We're going to really pack the house, storm the castle, Podcastle Live. You can find out more about it. And if you want to stay the night, go to the uh, thecastlenpt.com and book a room and get a ticket for the 26th, which is also my birthday. No big deal. Who cares? 45. There, I said it. And uh, it's a masquerade party. So if you want to book a room in a haunted castle, now's your chance. Go to thecastlenpt.com. All right. That's it for me. Oh, thank you to our patrons at patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio. If you join up, there's new content on their videos, audio. Just the beginning, folks. And for a very small amount, you too can join the patron club. So I'd love to see each and every one of you that listen to this uh, join up. I'd like to share the new content with you. I don't want to just smuggle it away for the few. So that, again, is at uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Radio. All right. We got some great episodes coming up, including... Oh, and I should say this to the patron members. Of course, the videos are going to be from the castle in PT, the castle in Port Townsend, the Haunted Castle. So if you want to see the show... Um, It's a membership feed that I'm going to Blaster I'll probably record it and edit it down It just looks a whole lot better that way But it's going to be like a three hour show So it's going to be a major upload And embedded for patron members And uh, that'll be If not every month, every other month From the Port Townsend Castle So look forward to that Also, what else do I need to mention? Um, Oh, you know Each and every year The show's not over yet Uh, We do a vote on who has been the crowd's favorite speaker Every year, this being our second year We do the Golden Flute Award So I'm going to put out a, I guess, a voting system online And this is your chance to go on to Strange Brow Radio on Facebook And vote on the name of the speakers I put up there Who was your favorite speaker so far? And I think I won't, I won't just limit it to our live event. I'll, I'll put all of the speakers out there from the radio show and online. And whoever wins gets the golden flute. And what's the golden flute? Well, it's a gold spray-painted dollar store flute on a black wooden block. And it looks ridiculous. But we're going to embrace the inner woo, the inner flute player in all of us and hand out the, the award. <laughs> I think Ron was, Ron Moorhead was the winner last year. Christopher Garitano came pretty close uh, as well. Oh, one other thing here. Okay, let's, I wanna make sure I don't forget this. There is someone in need, and it's your chance to help out if you can. Um, A friend of mine, her daughter was in a serious accident last Thursday night, and she was quickly rushed to uh, Portland Hospital uh, ICU unit. Very, very close call. L- tons and tons of injuries sustained after this head-on collision. And so I would ask you to pray for a gal named Anna Marie Krauss. And I'm okay to say the name. I made sure of that. Also, there is a GoFundMe page listed for her as well. I believe if you go on to Patreon, not Patreon, if you go on to GoFundMe and type in Anna's Accident, it will pop up, but I'm going to put the link in the show notes for this podcast, so you should just have to either copy or paste or click that, but um, we have a big amount to try to get to. You can imagine uh, months and months of surgeries and rehab, what that's going to cost for a young family just starting out in life. At a no fault of her own accident So if you have a dollar And you can send a dollar That's uh, that's going to be uh, Listed here And Again that's Anna's accident Underneath GoFundMe Or just look for the link In the show notes and copy and paste Or click through I appreciate that already Alright I appreciate all you guys too Thank you again for listening And I look forward to Sending you a new episode next week. Until then, I will see you in the trees.